Praise God, hallelujah. So thankful for the local church, amen. <clears throat> I know I say that a lot, but I still am. And it's not just because it's a place that I come to work, amen, but it's because there's the things that God has done in our lives have always been done through the, the local church. It was the local church where we learned to understand the word and to follow this word, amen. It was uh, the local church where we found our help, glory to God. And I'm so thankful, you know, and I was a Christian all my life, but it was the local church that, that, that changed my life. It wasn't being a Christian that did. I know that sounds interesting, right? It wasn't being a Christian there. There's a lot of people that, that, that become Christian and don't ever have a change. Right. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, but we know that, uh, you, you know, the Bible says that we were transformed how? By the renewing of our minds. And we get our minds renewed in church. We don't get them just because we got saved. Amen. We don't get renewed minds uh, just because we, we accepted Jesus as our Lord. Surely that will open the door for heaven. And we're, we're excited about that. But, uh, but the local church is where, where, where God does. And that's one, of the things, that's one of the reasons why we love Pastor Scott Webb is because he was a pastor for so long. And he understands the importance of the local church and loves the local church. Amen. You know, I, I, I've had few ministers that I've ever had ministers in this pulpit say to me things just like he has every single time he's ever come here he's like pastor is there anything you would like me to minister on how can I help your church and I just love that about him amen that his heart is for the local church and not just for the local church but his heart is for for the pastors of the local church and and he wants to be a blessing and a help uh, to help that that job that role amen Praise the Lord. If we truly understood the importance of what the, the office of pastor is, again, it is not me. I'm not, I am the pastor, but I'm not the, the I don't embody that, that what that is. I'm just a part of that. Amen. But the, the role of pastor has cha also changed my life and it will change your life. Glory to God. But if we truly understood what that is, we would do everything we could to aid and assist that that, that, that office would carry out and fulfill uh, everything that it's meant to fulfill, amen, because it affects all of us, glory to God, hallelujah. You know, when I was in, when I worked in the factory, I had a 401k, and I don't know if that's a good thing to invest in or not, I'm not going there, I just remember back then, you had this 401k, and if you had money in the 401k, you could borrow against it if you needed money. But the nice thing about doing that is you had to pay it back, and you had to pay it back with interest, but the nice thing about that is the interest went to you. And so they always promoted this as a great way to get a loan for yourself because you take the loan from yourself and you pay it back to yourself and increase yourself, amen? So in getting something that you may want or need, you, you would also increase yourself that way. Well, that's exactly what the office of the pastor is like. When, 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 we, uh, when we receive from that, we, we act according, according to the way the word has taught us to uh, towards that office. It's a, it's, a, it's a benefit to us that blesses us. Amen. Of course, there's a lot of things like that in Scripture, you know, and tithing and giving is just like that as well. It's not the reason we do it, but those are things that, that bless us as we do them. Amen. Uh, coming to church doesn't, isn't just something we get to do. It's something that blesses us as we do it. Amen. And so, uh, you know, all of these things, my life was a very unstable life, but it's through the local church that God was able to get things over to me. And because I learned to submit there, praise the Lord, my life changed. Amen. Now, my wife had mentioned that we're going to be doing something a little bit different coming up. And I just, it seems I had some direction and I, I, I'm always subject to change this, but it really has been on my heart uh, for quite some time to, to teach about um, uh, the, the uh, 
praying in tongues specifically, praying in the spirit, but praying in tongues specifically. Uh, we might touch on different things in prayer, but you know, I'm, I'm really quite excited about that. The Lord has, has connected some things for me and to really help me uh, be able to minister it. Cause I, it's something that, you know, I, I practice in my life, but it's something that I also want to be able to, to give uh, good sound doctrine on. But the way we're gonna do it is we're gonna do it a little bit differently. And my wife said that I'd explain it a little bit, so I'm gonna. But we're going to do it more like a, more like a, uh, I'm going to try to attempt to do it more like a teaching session. And so uh, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not going to even get all dressed up. I mean, I'm not going to dress down, but I'm just not, you know, going to get all dressed up in a suit and everything. And we're not going to live stream it. What we're going to do is we're going to have for uh, some people, we're going to offer for some people that can't be here, some of our Corey folks and stuff like that. If they want to partake of it, we're going to do it via Zoom. Uh, so we'll have Zoom here and then we're going to have what, if it's one week or two weeks. And then what I really like to do is, is integrate questions in, into that, that time that we're together. And what that'll look like is not questions, just j j random questions, but questions about what I've just talked about. And so, because I really want to, I want, really wanted to get into people, you know, of course we have many people that pray, pray in tongues in, the, in this church and I know that, but we have some that don't, amen, in both churches. And so uh, I, I, it is a benefit to our lives and I want to, but I want to bring the word on that, amen. Praise God. So that's the direction we're going to go, I believe. Amen. That could change, but I'll let you know if it does. Yeah. Praise the Lord. But tonight's message is called No More Body Shaming. Amen. No more body shaming, and we are not talking about your physical body. I know it's a, a kind of a catchy, you know, I used it, uh, that, that title. I look for catchy titles, you know, that's just kind of the way that I am. Uh, uh, and they just come to me that way. But, uh, you know, I, I do believe that there's a spiritual component to it. But, uh, you know, what we're talking about is shaming the body of Christ. That's really, because that's the most important body. You know, um, you know, my wife and I, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about a, a lot of different things. We're talking about, you know, weight loss and stuff like that and in and, and, and that. And, there, you know, her and I don't really, uh, we try to stay away from uh, the idea of weight loss or being healthy as being, uh, you know, because of just because of the way we look or whatever. But we do it for health reasons, you know, and stuff like that. Um, that's not what I'm preaching about today. Amen. But the reason that I talk about that is because, you know, we, we, we do need to understand that, uh, you know, the importance of, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I actually was going somewhere with that and I distracted myself as I, as I usually do. But we, uh, we, we have discussed, it's, it's important to think about things rightly. Amen. Yeah, I know why I was saying that. Because, you know, when we talk about the body, the most important thing to us should be the body of Christ. It shouldn't be our physical bodies. You know, there's people, we've see, seen people that get caught up in that and go overboard with it. People that get caught up in, in into, you know, going to the gym and they're like, oh, that's their focus on building their body and becoming a better body and all this stuff. And we've seen a lot of people like that actually get into sexual sin. And it's not surprising to me. And so there, we got to find balance in those things, amen? But the reason I said that is because when, when we see this, uh, we, 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 should, uh, we should have a tendency when we see certain things Instead of thinking about them the way the world does, we need to think about it the way that Christ does. Amen? The way the Word tells us. And so when I say the word is body shaming, the first thing that should come to our heart is the idea of the body of Christ. Amen? Because that's what we're talking about. And this is actually a very important message. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, some people that aren't here, and I, I really hope that they tune in. 
because really, this was the message I was going to preach on Sunday before Sunday's message changed. And I really think that this is incredibly important, but this is something that we all need. You know, um, the, the, the local church, is it's an interest, interesting animal. There's a lot of components to it, amen? And one of the components is you, and the another one of the components is me, and another one of the components is our neighbor, and our other neighbor. And you see all these components coming together, you know, they all have different, they, they all have different purposes, different giftings, different sizes, different, uh, you, you, you know, applications and, 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 you know, all the individuals of the church. And it makes for a very interesting group. Uh, and th this message is really focused on the love of Christ being in us and shed abroad in our hearts and, and going out from us and how we respond to each other. Amen. This, this message is so incredibly important for these things because if we don't think right about each other, we will never think right about God. Now the Bible tells us that we're going to see it here in a minute, but not just that. If we don't think right about each other, we will never fulfill the plan of God. We have, it is imperative that we don't just think right about each other, but that we act right towards each other. Amen. And, uh, you know, we have some things coming up. There's actually some things I have to address coming up that I'm not, not looking forward to. And I'm not looking forward to because they're always touchy subjects. But, you know, the thing is, part of my job is to keep the church in order. And we got to keep things moving in order. The reason that I'm not looking forward to it is because I know someone's going to get offended. Why? Because there's, there's subjects that people always get offended on. And, uh, you know, and, and really the reason I have to deal with it is because of the people that are supposed to take care of it aren't taking care of it, which makes it even more frustrating. Amen? But I have to address it, and I'll be addressing it in both churches or some just few things. It's nothing major in the sense of that it's, you know, it's like, you know, oh my God, are we going to be driven, you know, driven out of the church or is there, you know, is there danger or anything like that? It's not that. But it's those things that if they're not taken care of, they're the small foxes that can spoil the vine. And so these are things that I'll be coming up probably on, uh, on, uh, on the, at least on this weekend uh, starting. Amen. But uh, uh, that's why it's really good. Uh, and I didn't plan it this way, but it'd be really good to preach this message and get this in you and get you stirred on this. Amen. On the love of Christ. Because, you know, part of the love of God is not just a love towards each other, but it's a love towards your pastor as well. Now, you know, there's many of you that blessed us uh, for pastor appreciation, and we, do, we certainly do appreciate that. But, you know, that's not the type of blessing that we're after. It, it blesses us, and if, if, if it's on your heart to do so, you know, it's, that's something that, that, that uh, you know, does bless us. But the, the most important thing to us is that the body of Christ looks and acts right. Amen? Because if the body of Christ doesn't look and act right, what it does is it makes it infinitely difficult to try to accomplish anything. Um, I find that more often that people are, are fighting each other more than they're fighting the devil. It's just the truth. They get mad at each other. You know, the Bible tells us over there in Ephesians 6, 12, that our fight is not against flesh and blood. And yet that's where we spend our time is fighting flesh and blood. We argue with each other. We get mad at each other. We get divisive with each other. We stir up strife. We let strife get stirred up. We don't squash it with peace. We don't respond the way that we should. And then we wonder why we have all kinds of different problems in the church. You know, jealousies rage and, 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 and envy rages and different things and ideas, opinions. You know, one of the things, I'm just so over opinions. Praise the Lord. Praise God, hallelujah, I'm just so over opinions. And I'll tell you, I'm even over my own opinion, to tell you the truth. But I'll tell you why I'm over opinions. Because everybody thinks their opinion's the best. Yeah. Why do you think it's the best? Because you had it. Yeah. 
So it's got to be the best, right? It's certainly the one you like the most. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, liking your opinion the best. You can like your opinion and, 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 and enjoy it. But, you know, the thing is that we, we honestly have to ask ourselves is, we should ask ourselves as, this as adults, right? Praise the Lord. If you're a kid, you should wonder why your parents aren't asking themselves this as adults. But we should ask ourselves this as adults. Why is my opinion more valuable than the opinion that I despise? In reality, I'm not talking about just because you like it, because that's obvious, right? It's obvious. Like, if you think, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've made something, and, and, and somebody has said, uh, there, there's been people that have loved it, and there's been people that have hated it. As an artist, you, you have to grow a thick skin that way. You know, one of the problems in high school is a lot of high school teachers, not my wife, but a lot of high school teachers will tell kids that everything they do is good. And then the kids want to go to school for art and they find out that they're terrible or they try to mask it over and try to justify why they never change or never grow or never do anything good, good with it. Amen. But, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, but it's important for us to understand you have to have a thick skin. You know, I, I remember I, I, I had this one art show at one time and I, I was talking to this young woman who, who didn't know that I was the artist behind the artwork that was in the hanging in the coffee shop. And we were just talking, just having coffee talking. We were just like in the same place together and we knew each other. You know, this was years and years ago, so it wasn't a, wasn't a big thing anyways. I don't have to justify it, but uh, uh, I, I don't know why I feel like you do, you know, because it's just like everybody... <laughs> It's like, because you know why? Because I'm just going to tell you, one of the fun things in pastoring and speaking in front of people is people will literally grab onto one thing you say and they will run with it. They will make it a thing. They'll say, well, you said this or that. It's like, that's not what I said at all. That's the way you took it, but that's not what I meant. So like maybe next time ask me about it. Amen. But they won't ever ask me about it. People just let things stir in them. You know, it's just like, you know, let, praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, don't think that I'm a stinking mind reader. Sometimes I ask my wife this about people. I'm like, what do they want from me? No, seriously. If you get mad at me, I know you're mad at me, just so you know. But if you get mad at me, I know you're mad at me. And a lot of times I won't let on that I know that you're mad at me. Because why? Because i got to walk in love. That's part of my job as a pastor. Not only is it part of what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, but it's also my God-given job. I've got to walk in love. And so when somebody, you know, when somebody dumps their pile of garbage on me, I got to kind of eat it a little bit. And so sometimes they do that. So I don't always let on, but I know when you're mad at me because it's very obvious. It's all over your face. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, the, you know, I said to my wife sometimes when, when somebody's mad at me, I'm like, what, what do they want from me? Like, no, I mean, really, because I don't know. They've never made it clear. Unless you make it clear what it is you want from me. I had somebody here telling me that uh, once that they were called to, to something. They're not here anymore. They left the church, so praise the Lord for them. But uh, they, were, they kept telling me every once in a while, only talked to me once in a while. When they talked to me once in a while, they would remind me of their calling. And I'm like, okay, that's great. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? What am I, 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 mean, like, I mean, seriously, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do with that knowledge? Do you want me to say, yes, I agree, and send you off? I mean, I can't necessarily just do that. You know, like, like first of all, I'll tell you this. Like, I, I, I could never release somebody that I, uh, into a, a ministry office that I don't interact with on a regular basis and personally, that I know the ins and outs of their life, that I know how they are. I could never do that. Why? Because I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on somebody I don't know. So what do you want from me? 
And it is not my job to seek people out. I don't know how I'm on this. Walking in love. Walking in love. Praise the Lord. So, love tells the truth. Yeah. You know, and, 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 that, and that's just it. But love is for, you know, you, you know it's not my job. My job is not, uh, you know, even though I may have been good at the memory game my, or, or guessing, my job is not, and I'm not good at guessing <laughs> at all. Like, I'm terrible at guessing. Just in life, I'm terrible at guessing. I could guess. My wife is really good at guessing. But I'm really terrible at guessing. She's very good at guessing. I'm very terrible at guessing. But uh, if, you, if you're expecting me to, to try to figure out and guess, well, what won't the Holy Ghost show you? Well, he may. He may show me some things, but a lot of times he's waiting on you. Yeah. Well, that's free, no charge. Amen? Amen. How did I get off on this trail? Where was I headed? Oh, yeah, the coffee shop. Thank you. Yeah, Alyssa wanted to hear the rest of the story. She's like, she's like, go back there. Go back, go back, go back. So anyways, I'm talking to this woman, this young woman. What was her name? Her name was Bobby. God bless her. She's watching. Praise the Lord. Bobby, we love you. I don't know if you serve Jesus. I think she, she may have been a Christian. I don't know. But uh, uh, if, you, if, if you're not, you need to. Praise the Lord. And, and we'd love to see you here. If you're not here, we'd love to see you somewhere. Amen. But at any rate, Bobby said to me, she, I, I, we were just talking, you know, and she, somehow the artwork got brought up. I didn't bring it up. I wasn't fishing. But I just said, I was just like, because I wanted, I knew she knew that I didn't, she didn't know that I did it. So I said, so what, what do you think of the artwork? And he said, oh, she said, it's terrible. I don't like it at all. And I was just smiling, you know, and it was like, and it was a good moment for me because I realized that I could be, I could be a little bit humble because I wasn't, I truly wasn't bothered by it. I didn't know I'd preach about it later on. Heck, at that time, I had no idea I was going to be a pastor. I was probably high at the time, to tell you the truth. But, uh, uh, but at any rate, uh, uh, you know, she said to me, she said, yeah, yeah I, didn't, I, I don't like it at all. And I was, I, I was blessed by that because I've always said, even from that moment, I was like, that was the most honest uh, critique I ever got yeah. that I know of. Yeah. Because it was completely given without my, my knowledge. Well, it was the second most. I, I, I'm not going to talk about the other one because it'll puff me up and make me want to draw pictures again. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we're talking about no more body shaming. Are you bringing shame to the Lord's body? You know, do you make the body of Christ look shameful? <clears throat> How Our actions are, 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 are the, the way that we're going to do that. The way that we act towards one another. The way that we act towards the body of Christ. The way we act towards the word and receiving the word. You know, sometimes it's like, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you as a pastor. There's times where I look out there as I'm, I'm preaching and it's just like some people got some looks on their faces. They, you know they ain't happy about something. Yeah. I don't always know what it is because remember, I'm not good at guessing. But you, you can look out there and you can see people like you like, ooh, I don't know what happened, but they ain't happy. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. A lot of times I do know what it is. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I know by the Holy Ghost what it is. And then I preach on it a little bit harder. Amen? And sometimes they even leave the church. We've had that happen too. But the, but the thing is, is that, you, you know, we have to understand that the way we act towards people and the local church matters. We need to, we need to view all of this correctly or we're not going to be blessed from it. God has designed ultimate blessing in the coming together and yet people fight it continually. And it just, and they fight it not even because they mean to fight it, but they just get caught up in fighting it. So the reason we preach messages like this is to make us aware. So when we start fighting, we go, ah, I'm walking out of love. Ah, I'm not acting the way that I should act. It's not just about, oh, they're not acting the way. It's easy to point to someone else, right? But a lot of times, 
It's the things we don't see about ourselves. So turn with me to 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. Praise God. It says here, someone says, I love God and hates his brother. He is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is a powerful, powerful scripture and a powerful, powerful statement. You know, there's been many times I've preached, I think in both churches, I've said it in both churches uh, at different times, that, that, that if, you won't sub- if you won't learn to submit to man, you will never submit to God. And this is where I get that concept from, because it applies the same. If you can't love the one that you see, then you're not going to love the one you can't see. You don't. And if you can't submit and yield to the one you can see, you're certainly not going to do it to the one you can't see. Amen? You know, uh, this, this truth is, is so deep-rooted, and we have to take heed to it. This, is, this truth is something that needs to drive us. But you know, there's really, I think, I've sensed this to a degree in the body of Christ at large, that the idea of loving God is kind of a foreign idea. And the reason it's a foreign idea is because there's been so much ministry that is you-based ministry, help-based ministry, get me out of my mess ministry, that we have forgotten why it is we do this thing in the first place. Do you know the number one reason to not sin? See, a lot of people, if I were to ask them, and I wouldn't ask them because I wouldn't want to put somebody on a spot where they would likely be embarrassed. But if you took a poll in most churches and say, what's the number one reason why you shouldn't sin? I, I can almost guarantee you that one of the last answers or the fewest of answers would be because of God, or my love for God. That's why we don't sin, because of our love for God. Yeah. If you don't sin for any other reason, you're wrong. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that sin is enjoyable for a time. You can sin and enjoy it. Did you know that? Yeah. Sin is enjoyable. If it wasn't, humans wouldn't keep doing it. There wouldn't be whole industries based around sin. But there is, isn't there? Where were we? Oh, we were just in Niagara Falls, my wife and I, Canada. Niagara Falls, Canada. And we just went up there to spend the night, you know, and, and uh, there's this, this one place that we loved uh, to, to stay at. And then sometimes we go to the falls or sometimes we, you know, I, I don't care how many times I've been there. We never get enough of it. We go up there a couple times a year. We go to the falls just to see it, you know. And, uh, you, you know, we went, uh, went around the other area. But one of the things in, that we noticed in, in Niagara Falls, Canada, is that almost on every corner now is a cannabis uh, uh, or sometimes two, a cannabis shop, a place to buy pot, to smoke pot, to do whatever you want with pot. There's liquor stores or, or bars all over the place. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's clubs up there that we drove by that said, girls, 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 and you can imagine what those are all about. I, I was saying when my wife, when I was up, I, I said, you know, when we were, when we were younger, you know, it was a destination 
uh, Niagara Falls, Canada was a destination for, for people my age because there was these strip clubs there. There was a, 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 a one, one floor was the men's club and the other floor was the women's club. And couples would go together and they'd split up and they'd go their different directions so they could basically commit adultery. Not basically, commit adultery, that's what they're doing. Um, and of course you could do so and get full of you know booze you could do it early on up there and so that was a draw for many people uh, in our area uh, you know because you could at the time you could drink in Canada I think at 19 years old or something like that I don't know if that what the rule is now I don't follow that stuff but but all of these vices all of these sins and people were looking to do it it's a, there's whole industries on doing it when I went to Las Vegas we were just I stayed overnight in Las Vegas just to see it for the first because I'd never seen it before and the entire, I understood full well why they call it Sin City. I'm just telling you the truth. It was awful vice everywhere. If you didn't, if you didn't have a vice, they would create one for you. <clears throat> but see, there's Christians today that because of this thing they call, we call freedom in Christ, fully embrace vice. They fully embrace different, they come up with different ways of justifying why they're doing wrong. And the whole thing that they forget is it's not about their freedom, but it's about their love for the Lord. If you truly love God, can you really throw his law in his face and say that the things that matter to you don't matter to me? Can you really look at the blood of Christ and say it is so common to me, so commonplace and accessible to me, that I don't care if I do the very thing that caused it to be shed? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Uh, the first motive behind everything that we do has got to be love for the Lord. It's got to be. And Christians, we need to get back to that place where love for God is the reason that we persevere. You know, a lot of times we're persevering because we just think, well, that's what we got to do. We just got to push through this trial. I just got to, I just got to, what about persevering for God? For the sake of his kingdom? For the sake of the reason he's called you? Amen? Praise the Lord. What about when we get to a place where we grow a little bit and we say, hey, I'm going to come to church because of God. I'm going to come love on Him. Praise God. You know, I, I, one of the things that the Lord's been teaching me, you know, I've been talking a lot about how He's waking me up and different things like this, and there's been a few times where it's just like, where I've just, I've just been like, I started seeing Him like, I could do this just because I want to. And it blesses him that I would want to. You know, prayer. Prayer is the Christians act like prayer is this hard thing. And it's because we put all these rules and these ideas on it and man's spin on it. But in reality, all prayer is is, is, is talking to God. It's talking to him. It's, it's uh, I want to hear from you, Father. I want to speak to you. I want to fellowship with you. Amen? Praise God. But the Bible takes it a step further. He says, you know, because God is so good, he doesn't just keep it on himself. He says, if you say that you love me, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Yeah. You, can't, you can't love the Father and hate the Son. You can't do it. You say, might say, well, I, I don't like that person very much. It's going to be real hard to do so. It may be hard to do so. They may make it very difficult. But that doesn't change that it's our, it should be our number one priority. He, the, the, Jesus, when asked what the most important law was, he said, love the Lord your God. But he said, the second commandment is like it and just as important. 
to love your neighbor as yourself. Praise God. That's exactly what it's talking about. What does that mean? Study 1 first, uh, first Corinthians 13 verses. Well, actually study them all. It's, it's, it's a short chapter. But look at all the, all, all the verses there. You know, the Bible says that if, 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 we, can, if we have faith that can move mountains but have not love, yeah. it profits us nothing. There's no good in it. You know, if we, if, we, if we can speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, praise the Lord, but we have not love. It says we're, we're basically a, 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 a clanging cymbal, right? It's just like a, 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 this annoying sound. Psh, psh, psh. That's what we are. So it doesn't matter how gifted we are. It doesn't matter how able we are. If we don't walk in love, if love isn't our goal, if love isn't our purpose then it's all for naught. Yeah. It doesn't matter what we do if it isn't based in love. You know, I, I, I've said this. Now, I, I, I want to be careful about overgeneralizing, but I learned this about this mission I went on. Because this mission when I went on was very different than other missions, and because of that, a lot of people had a hard time receiving it. Yeah. But you know what I've realized? That there's an awful lot of missions that are done in the name of missionary work that are nothing more than over-spiritualized vacations. Right. It's the truth. Why? Because we get a group, of get a group of people together. We don't care who it is. Whoever wants to sign up to go. Everybody gets to sign up to go. And we're going to go to some, some, some obscure location. They're not going to do any of the preliminary work. They may do some fundraising to be able to pay for their plane ticket. But there's somebody else that goes there and, and finds the place that they're going. There's somebody else that goes there and, and, and plans the, the work that they're going to do. That's not what the early church did in missions work. The early church went as they were called, and sometimes they went with nothing. Sometimes they went with their own. Sometimes they paid their own way. Sometimes they did whatever they did. They figured out what they were to do, and they went and did it. But the church today, they want everything spelled out. Yeah. Praise the Lord. See, like, I'm not into doing church that way. I'm not into doing church where, where I tell each individual person what it is that you're called to. But we work together and we find that. But you know, the thing is, is if, if we're distracted by the things that, that, that are in our lives, if, well, I got this going on, this going on, this going on, so I don't really have time to focus on all that, so, so I'm not going to uh, give much time to that because, you know, God's going to have to understand I'm just busy, right? But see, the truth of the matter is, is you completely miss the point. The point is for us to learn and to develop with the Lord and then to bring those things to the table and say, this is what I have to offer. There's certainly the kid that brought the fish and the loaves. He didn't, he didn't bring it with this idea that could possibly feed everybody. Brought it with the idea, this is what I had to bring. This is what I had to offer. And if, it's, if it can be useful to you, then let it be useful. Amen? Praise the Lord. But what is all that? That's love for God and love for his people. You see, when, when, when we withhold, when we, when, when, when we uh, step back because we're hurt or we're angry or we're whatever, what we're doing is we're hindering the plan of God because of our own self, because of how we feel. When we, when we won't, uh, you know, when we pick and choose, it's like, well, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't uh, praise the Lord, I don't really want to give in to that offering because, because I don't like that type of thing, but I'll give in to this offering because this kind of thing stirs me. That's wrong giving. 
That's giving for your own purpose. The Bible says, as a man purposes in his heart, the 2 Corinthians 9, says, as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. Do you know purpose is something that you purpose? It's something that you create. You know, when, it, when it says as a man purposes, God gave us this, this wonderful joy of being able to purpose to do it. What's that? It's just like the same as saying purpose to love me. You choose to love me. You choose to give. But you know, we, you, you know we, 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 we've had, you know, praise the Lord, glory to God. We'll see, we'll see people increase in their lives. Yet the body of Christ doesn't increase. We, 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 see, uh, we, we see people get blessed in their lives, and yet they don't share the blessing with others. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, everything is so me-driven, and we got to break out of that if we love God. If we love God, we will do the word because we love God. The, the Bible doesn't give us uh, uh, choices, opting out of, of being a blessing to else, others and then sit around and expect God to just to be a blessing to us. Actually, that's, that, that's, that's like... That's evil. This is just plain evil. Our purposes have to be, you know, it's like there, there's, there's a certain amount of Christians, and I'll break something, I'll try to break something in you right now. There's a certain amount of Christians that will only do exactly what the requirement is because they just, they just want to get there. They just want to do what they have to do so they can get in the door and then they're fine. Yeah. So they can skate the rest of the time. Yeah. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God was... I'm going to pour into those who don't deserve it yeah. over and abundant. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about with anything. Yeah. But it certainly applies to finances. Because Jesus pointed to finances as being the number one place that shows your heart. If you withhold from God, it's the number one place. Yeah. He said, if you won't be faithful in these least things, yeah. who's going to give you what's the... He called the, he called the finances the least Listen, the reason that I'm saying this, and, and, and I've kind of grown beyond, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a preacher that, that tries to preach money out of people's pocket, to try to, to, to make my, uh, my, the, my, my life better or anything like that. I've proven that, and I continue to prove that, and I don't need to be justified in doing so. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, is people withhold from God all the time. They withhold their time. They withhold their whatever. They withhold what they're able to do well, they say, well, you know what? Instead of me being an example in something, I'm only going to do just a little bit more than someone else does. It's just the way, it's the way that the world works. And people bring that into the church and they wonder why God, amen? I always, my wife and I always got a kick out of it. Uh, my, my pastor would talk about this. People who tithe to the exact penny. Do you know what that says? That says you probably don't do it accurately. I always, I always tithe more than what, we, what we're supposed to, and I'll tell you why we do. Because I don't want to accidentally miss it somewhere and not have done it somewhere. Yeah. I want to make sure that it's covered so when it comes back around, like, oh, I overgave here. That's okay, good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, one, one time we... Uh, 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 one time we, we gave into a, uh, some sort of offering and, and uh, 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 I had forgot that my wife had told me that we gave. And so I gave again the same amount. And it was a lot. And there was a, you know, it was a lot for us is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it was a lot in the world. It really wasn't. I think it was like a hundred bucks or something. But to me, it was a lot and still is, right? And so I, I was like, you know, you know we, 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 we sewed into this and it was like, um, and then she's like, I already took care of that. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Oh, and then at first I had this thought, I was like, oh no. Well, well how do I get that back? Right? You know, that's the thought. We all have the thought. As long as you don't act on the thought, you're all right, right? But then I was like, no, the realization came, well, praise the Lord, we're going to be blessed anyways. Can't outgive God. And so you give freely, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've probably all been there, but you know that idea of just, just giving with a bear, just a, oh, that just, just gets me in the door. Amen. How about getting yourself in the door and then paying for somebody else's way, too? I mean, it's just an idea, you know? And of course, there I'm not specifically talking about money again either. I'm talking about whatever we have to do. You know, cover, well, we're going to get to that. Amen. I think we'll get to that next. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, this didn't update. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, what, what's my next scripture I have? That's the one I want. See, this didn't update. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had all issues with I had to drive to Buffalo today just to take care of something with this. Stupid, but my life is on it, so that's the way it is. Amen? Praise God. Proverbs 10, 12 says, and I wasn't going to have you turn there, so write it down. Hatred stirs up strife. So if you want to know if you, how do I know if I hate my brother, right? <coughs> Hatred stirs up strife. Do we all understand what strife is? Yeah. Strife is anything that causes awe against someone else. Yeah. That's what strife is. Yeah. We all stir up strife. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah. We all have moments. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally stirred it up? You know, with me, I'm a joker. I like to joke around. Sometimes I've joke, joked around, stirred up strife in myself. I'm telling you, I've done it. Amen? I've joked about something and then got mad about it afterwards. I'm like, well, yeah, praise the Lord. That's just the, that's the life of a comedian, right? Hallelujah. But hatred stirs up strife. How do I know if I hate my... Am I stirring up strife? Am I allowing strife? I, you, you know, stirring up strife doesn't just have to be, mean that you out are out purposing to do it. You can accidentally, you know, you, you know there's times where uh, I, I, I was looking for something in the water, and I can't remember the exact thing, but I'll just give you this part, because I was looking for something in the water, and I didn't want the cloud of dust in the water, because you can't see what you're looking for. Yeah. But that's what I accidentally did. I accidentally bumped a rock or something, and it stirred it up, yeah. right? Yeah. But see, it, it, when, when you recognize that you stirred something up, then you got to do something about it. Yeah. But see, a lot of times we justify why we stirred up the strife. I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I love this new, uh, this new, uh, this way that the Holy Spirit has given me to do marriage counseling. I'm really looking forward to putting it into practice. I haven't had yet, <laughs> chance yet. But it's real, it's so simple because I've just, I've conquered the mountain, man. I've figured it out, not by myself. I had help doing it, but it's real simple. You sit two people, pretend, no, uh, right here, two people there, Mary. Do the word, do the word, no strife. It's that simple. Problem over. But you got to do the word. And you got you to do the word when she doesn't. And she's got to do the word when he doesn't. Because it doesn't matter if you, like, she's not doing the word, and you're like, well, she's not doing it, so I'm not going to either. That's stirring up strife. Amen? Hatred stirs up strife. 
See, there's so many husbands and wives that are hating on each other and they're wondering why they have so many issues. They wonder why their prayers aren't getting answered. They wonder why sickness is prevalent in their house. They wonder why, see, you understand all of this stuff comes they don't understand why, well, why, why, why can't we get this stuff figured out? Why are we having the problems with our kids? Why are we having problems here? Why are we having problems here? Stirring up strife. But people are doing this in the local church. People get mad at somebody for doing something. You made the same soup I made. I don't think, I don't think we had that problem. Or they're watching to see, hey, pastor didn't take a scoop of my soup. I took a lot of scoops of Dave's soup, by the way. That was good stuff, amen. I got some, some guy sat home with me. That, that, was, that, that went on the record books, brother. Praise the Lord. I ate it the next day and the next day, too. I had it two, two more meals out of it. Praise God. At any rate, I was like squeezing the bag to get it out, you know? Like, I want every bit. That was Super Saturday, yeah. That was Super Saturday. Praise God. But hatred stirs up strife. But look at this. Love covers all transgressions. Do you know this idea of covering all transgressions? This is exactly what Christ did for us. Do you know what he did? He's like, okay, here's your sin. Here's your pile of sin. He went and grabbed his righteous blanket and he pulls it over it. Covers it over. That's what he's talking about. Love covers transgressions. It covers it so it's not going to be a thing. Amen? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty clear. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. I was going the wrong way. Got to the end of the book. You're like, well, it's not back there. When you see the cover, you know you've gone too far. 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, verse 7. You know, the Bible actually says to outdo each other in love. That's what our goal should be. When somebody's mean or snarky towards us, when they're stirring up strife, do you know that that's an opportunity to outdo someone? That's called a big offering right there. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I've been faced with many kinds of issues as a pastor, many kind of opportunities to to not know what to do. But one thing that I, I, I have determined in myself, the best, to the best of my knowledge and the best of my ability, is that I will not be the one who causes the strife. To the best of my ability. I, I'm not going to act wrong just because someone else did. I'm not going to do it. Amen. There is too much, you know, and I see this, I hate this kind of garbage. You see it on, on you know, it's like, and God bless them. You know, you go on YouTube or something like that, and there's all kinds of different people on YouTube, all kinds of different Christians. You have, you know, all different denominations, and some will say this, and some will say that. You know, there's people, you know, there's people that would hear me say, oh, I, I speak in tongues, and they would think that I'm of the devil, you know, and it's like, okay. Well, you know, that's, that's going a little bit extreme with the scripture, but we can, we can agree on some things, some very important things. We can agree that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he's the only way to heaven. That salvation is through him and him alone. That's a pretty awesome place that we can stand on. And you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, as I look at the scripture, I think as far as God is concerned, every other doctrine falls underneath that. 
Would anyone disagree with me that that's the most important doctrine that we could, we could find? So, you know, like if you don't agree with something exactly the way that I say it, that's okay. If you don't see something that way, that's okay. You don't have to get on and make a video about how wrong I am. You don't need to get on and, and start, you know. But you see this happening all over the place. I remember when uh, this one thing happened. I can't remember what the one thing was even. But I was still on Facebook at the time, so that's how long ago. It was in the Jamestown Church. And there were some people that, you know, you're friends. I have friends with a lot of people. And one of the things we found out, and even in a big town, uh, that, that, that uh, you know, friends cross over a lot. You know, we'll be friends. Hey, how do you know this person? And we're, we're friends with the same people, right? And I, I remember that somebody got mad about something that happened in the Jamestown Church. And so they posted something about it. They said, it's a shame that they would do this. And then somebody else got on there ranting about it. You know, and this person was a, one of my friends on, on Facebook, that, one of those kinds of friends. And, and I felt like I just needed to respond. And I did so in love, but I said this. You know, I said, I'm really sorry that that happened to you, but I assure you that that's not the heart of the ministry. And, what, you know, and that's how I responded to that person. But to the other person, I said this, and as for you, I've never seen you so much as set foot into my church. So you are completely speaking from a place of ignorance. You don't know what goes on. Because what they said was, oh, I heard this happen there too. And I heard that. Yeah, because everybody loves, you know, they love that, right? All these people are supposed to be Christians too, by the way. Well, I heard this happen over there. I heard that happen over there doesn't matter what you heard. If you haven't been there to experience it, first of all, you have no right talking about it. And second of all, that's not the way that you fix a problem. If somebody's been hurt somewhere, first you take pity on them and you say, hey, listen, I understand that you've been hurt and, 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 there, that, and that's not right. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And as far as I'm in control of anything, I would, I would do my best to make sure that that didn't happen again. But you know what you can't control? What other people do but you can control how you respond to what other people do. Because people aren't going to do what's right. Even Christians aren't going to do what's right. When you're looking for the perfect church that never messes up, don't exist. It ain't going to exist. This one certainly doesn't. This one, we, we mess up on a daily basis. It's kind of, maybe this should be our, our, our new slogan out there. Hey, come see us. We mess up pretty often. But we try hard. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's our new motto. We mess up often, but we try hard not to. Amen? Now listen, I, I, I'm not saying to you that there isn't reason why you shouldn't, you know, that, I mean, there, there are times sometimes you've got to cut ties. I know I have. I've had to cut ties with people, but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to do it in strife. Why? Because that's hatred. And whether I like what they did or not, or who they are or not, that's, that's a brother or sister in Christ. And I can't just throw them to the wolves. I can't just bash them. I can't just tear them down. Because what I'm doing is hating them. And, and, and as a, an effect, I'm also hating God by doing so. So you have to understand that when you get mad at somebody that's with you, the first thing you think is, how I respond to them is going to show how I feel about my Heavenly Father. When somebody bites me, Right? Don't go make it a habit of biting people. But when somebody bites me, the first thing I have to do is how am I going to respond to that? I'm going to respond right. Amen. 
It doesn't, even, even saying that, I don't always respond right. There was, some, there was a time just recently I had to repent to somebody. And it's just because of something I said. And it wasn't even something I said to them about them or anything. It was something I said to them about somebody else. But I said to them this. I said, I have to repent to you because I should have never said those things. Because that was just stirring strife. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Glory to God. Did you find 1 Peter 4, 7? Yeah. It says here, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. This is really interesting. Because the end is at hand, it's near, therefore, you know, we understand this about the end times, that the devil is going to kick up and stir up things even more. That it's going to get harder to walk in love, right? But because the end is near, it says, therefore, be of sound judgment. Sound judgment means, like, listen, if you... If you make a, uh, we, we were always taught this, you know, if you're disciplining your child, don't ever discipline your child out of anger. I can't say that I, I, I walk that rule uh, well even sometimes, but uh, uh, because there's many times that I didn't. There's many times I disciplined out of anger. But, the, but, but that was something that we were taught, and, and, and why? Because you can't, if you're angry, if you're mad, if you're upset, you don't have sound judgment. Amen. This is a wonderful thing about having a pastor, especially a pastor that's spirit-led, one that tries to follow the Lord. Because you're going to come maybe with a situation. Maybe the situation is hard for you to get past. Maybe you don't think you'll ever get past it. Maybe it's something your spouse did. Maybe it's something somebody else in the church did. Maybe it's whatever. But see, the thing is, is you need somebody... You're going to want to make decisions on your own, but those decisions, because you're all wrapped up in your emotions, inevitably are going to be wrong. You will try to think about it a thousand ways to be right, but you will not do it because you can't. Why? Because you're not thinking soundly. You're overcome by emotions. When you're overcome by emotions, you will not make proper decisions. That's why you need somebody who loves you, who cares for you, who also knows the word, who will help you see the right decision to make. And sometimes when they have that decision for you to make, it's going to be challenging to your emotions. But because they've proven trust, because they've proven love, because they've proven that they care for you, you can take it and say, well, they're not just doing this trying to, to tear me down or trying to hurt me. Amen? You cannot make good decisions without sound judgment and emotional being. And this is why it also says here, and a sober spirit. Meaning... <clears throat> One of the things the Lord was showing me about why it's so much easier for me to hear from him in the middle of the night sometimes is because it's so quiet, because it's so calm. There's no cars driving by. The birds aren't even awake yet. There is no noise. It's dead silent in the middle of the night. And one of the things he was showing me recently, it was just the other day, I believe that the Lord was showing me this, is how many people live their lives in absolute chaos. Everything around them is constantly a mess. Their house is a mess. Their lives are a mess. Their cars are a mess. Their, you know, their, 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 their conversations are a mess. They never slow down and just, and, and just allow things to, you know, and, and take care of things. You, you know, when, when things in my life, I was just saying to my wife on the way down here, I said, I wish I could go back to the point where I, just before I met her when I lost everything. 
Because what I would do is I would take what was remaining. As I just said this on the way, on the way down here. I would take what was remaining and I would have thrown it all out. And I would have started my new life with, with, with knowledge. The wisdom that I have now. And I wouldn't have accumulated so much garbage. Yeah, I, I'm talking about just natural stuff. Man, I got pole building, and I got a pole building, it's full. I got a basement, it's full. I got rooms, storage rooms, they're full. So what am I starting to do? I'm starting to purge this. Why? Because it's chaos. Chaos does not allow me to think without a cluttered mind. Why? Because I've, I've got to take care of this, and I've got to take care of that. I got to. This is why it's so, you know, you know, it's like, oh, praise God. It seems like this question comes to me every time I want something more. Is that, it, it seems like this question comes to me, I believe it's from the Lord. How are you doing with what you have? If you are taking care, if you are a good steward of whatever it is that you have currently, then you can go before the Lord and say, God, bring me more. Because I can handle it. But if you can't take care of what you got, I'm not just talking, I'm talking about whatever could apply to this statement. If you, in any area of life, are not taking care of something well, do not expect God to grow it. He will not. He will not. Amen. You've got to sow in the area. And this is the same thing in your church. You want people in your church to treat you better, yet you act like an idiot. You know, the Bible says, if you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Yeah. So if you want friends, then you got to be a friend to somebody. Yeah. And guess what? The way it commonly works is this. The one you got to be friends with to show yourself friendly typically is not somebody that you would choose. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. I got examples, man. I got examples. I got examples. Both good and bad, though. Yeah. You know, but that's the thing. Is, is like we have to look differently at things. We have to look at the... the we, have, we have to understand that when God looks at the local church, He looks at it in love. Yeah. He looks at us congregating here tonight with such love. Yeah. He loves it. He's like, yeah, these people just wanted to come out. They praise the Lord. Yeah. And so, you know, I know some of the stuff that I'm preaching, even especially lately, some of the stuff I've been preaching is a little... Toe, toe, you know, stepping a little bit, you know. But praise the Lord. We're not babies. Right? right? We understand that if, it does, if something's not working, we need to know how it works right in order to make it work right. Amen? Praise the Lord. This is what a sober spirit is. But see, people's lives, and that's what the Lord was showing me, people's lives, including my own, but people's lives are so this and that. There's so much chaos. There's so much stuff. There's so many plans. There's so many plans. Oh, we're going to do this. This is why I tell people, if you are, oh, praise God. If you are driving your kids to make plans, folks, you better back off because you're wrong. You need to drive your kids to know what God has called them to do and then support them in whatever that is. Yeah. Now, if they're saying, you know, God has called me to, you know, I don't know, do something. God, God's called me not to go to church anymore or something stupid like that. You're like, no, that's, that's not what he's called you to do. He hasn't. You know what I mean? But we, 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 need to, we, need to, we need to teach our kids how to be God goal oriented yeah. 
and not, and not human will oriented. But what we're doing is, by and large, we're teaching, you know what, most people that go to college, I'll just be honest with you, are man will oriented. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to college if God told you to go. If you know that you can go in peace, saying that this is what God has for me. But there's a lot of people that have no goals, no plans. They're not even, they're not even thinking. They're just out there doing whatever because they just got, you know. Well, praise the Lord. That's not sober spirit. But notice what it says here at the end of this, this verse. And we haven't even got into the good stuff yet. But it says, for the purpose of prayer. What does this mean? You can't go to God with a conscience that's in upheaval. Because the only way to get your prayers answered is to go to God in faith. The only way to have prayers answered is to go to God in faith. And you can't be in faith if your conscience is in upheaval. Do you know what the Bible says even about communion? It says if you have anything against your brother, before you partake of the Lord's Supper, before, you put it down and you go out and you make that thing right. But you know what I've never seen? I have never seen somebody leave a communion service. And I know full well that they ain't got it right. And sometimes they ain't got it right with the person sitting right next to them. It's the truth. Get it right. I told you before, the Lord won't let me preach a message unless we're right. If we're right, if we're not right, I, my conscience bothers me so much I could not preach one word in faith. I can't do it. That's why it comes out in the pulpit. Why? Because this is, a, this is a, uh, a, a, a precious thing that's going on, a precious transaction that's going on here. Yeah. If, I'm, if, if, if I'm harboring sin, if I'm harboring these, you, you know what I mean? I can't do that. It will come out. Yeah. Praise the Lord. For the purpose of prayer. See, because the Bible wants us to go to God with prayer and know that we're going to be answered. But if you can't go to God knowing that your prayer is going to be answered because your conscience is all twisted up, I don't even know what's right and wrong right now. Have you ever gotten so messed up on something that you can't even know what, which ends up and which ends down? Yeah. Certainly, I've been there. You know what I do in those times? I go to God and say, Lord, help me. I need help. I need help. This is why the Bible says in Romans 8, 26 that the Holy Spirit that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. He's praying for us. He's helping us. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, praise God. And then it goes on to say, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I used to think that this meant something that it doesn't mean. I thought... That if I was good at loving you, that if I was stupid in other things, that, that, that this verse meant that it would cover my sins. That's how, I, that's how I interpreted it. But that's not right. I don't know if any of you have looked at it this way. I may have even preached it that way before, but I'll tell you that that is not what this is talking about. Now, this, this idea of keeping fervent, it literally means... Um, it means to, uh, to, to, to love deeply, right? It was used, uh, this word was used to describe the taut muscles of an athlete who strains to win a race. Think about that. That's what it's telling us. This is how it's telling us to love. What is a, uh, you think about an athlete who is who's trying to win the prize, right? They're at the Olympics and they want to win the gold. And they 
dig into something. I mean, they, they, their muscles are just, they're giving everything they got and they dig into it with everything they have and they push it just that, and, and boom, they just go that little bit further. I, I know Pastor Webb taught a, a message uh, once and he was talking about secretariat and how secretariat, that horse, he was a racehorse and, and, and he had this, this, un, un, this crazy ability. He would just be, be almost last sometimes and he just, all of a sudden he'd just like take off and just everything in him and he'd push it and he would win, you know, you know what I mean? It was like this awesome thing and praise the Lord. It's that same idea. So when it says keep fervent in our love for each other, it means like, man, you're pushing, you're giving it everything you've got. You're doing everything you can to love this person. And they're, they're pushing back at you. They're just, they're, they're, they're just trying to stop you. They're trying to keep you from going forward. And you dig in and you just give it to that last oomph and you just push it on over the line. Yeah. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. Praise God. All that one word. But so that's what it means to keep fervent love for one another. One another. See, that's, that's a love that, that, that thinks right. That's a love that, that's sacrificial. That's a love that, that goes that extra 10,000 miles. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And then we get to because, because. So it's still talking about that, your love for someone else. Yeah. Because true love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, how do we know this is accurate? Think about what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? While we were yet sinners, he looked down upon us and said, Lord, let me go. Father, let me go. Let me go. I'll cover it. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? This is not, this is not permission for people to be abusive. And I want to make that clear. We don't live in abuse. But I can tell you something. I've learned this about myself. I can take an awful lot. As a pastor, I've learned this. I've had to. I, I, I've had people to get so mad at me. or I, I've had people get so mad. And they think that they're called to ministry. They get so mad at one thing someone does. And I'm like, brother or sister, if you stood in the if you stood in my shoes for a week, I have had people I on, on a regular basis have people choose, willingly choose to abuse us. Abuse us. I, I, I've had people I, I've had people because I don't respond instantly to their text message start to basically saying that I, I don't love them and I don't care and this people that I have gone over. I, I've got there is somebody in this town that I have helped their family, and they do nothing but every chance they get to do, put a dig into us, they do it. They'll never do it to our face. To our face, they're sweet. To our face, they're nice. But they do it to our people. And, and, and this is years afterwards, and they still, yeah, I praise the Lord. You think I'm going too far by calling it out? But this is the truth. This is what pastoring is like. You come into a room, and people don't want to talk to you because they know you're the pastor. It's abuse. You have people that, that, that want nothing to do with you, won't even say hi to you. They look at you with disgust because you are trying to help their family member. All the time. All the time. I've had people in my church because I don't tell them exactly what they want to hear. I tell them something else. They get mad at me and they start snarling at me. And maybe they'll go on for a while and they'll get over it. But you know what never comes to me? I can't tell you the last time I've had, I, I'm sorry for treating you like a jerk. 
I'm sorry for the thoughts that I've had towards you. I'm sorry for the, because you know something? People don't hide it that well. They want to tear you down. They want to make, I've had people in our congregation, there are people that sit in our congregation, even in a week to week, that I know have said things about, things, things about me that they won't say to me, but they say them to other people. That's called abuse. They, they will try to undermine something that I've said. They'll sit there in their conversations, not thinking it'll ever get back to me, but it does. Why? Because whenever somebody says, don't tell anyone else, they always do. They always do. There's something about that prophet that you know when somebody says, like I said, like whenever says somebody to me, you can't say this to anybody, I'm always like, oh, everybody else already knows. They already know. Somebody came to me, this uh, friend, well, listen, like I'm not even in direct communication with a lot of people in the other family churches. But you hear things here and there. And I'm not a complete idiot. And so I can put things together, you know. And somebody was trying to, they were talking about something, you know, one of those secret things you can't say anything about because, because nobody's supposed to know. So why are you telling me? Yeah. Why are you even bringing it up that you know, right? But people do that. This person was saying something to me. I've done it too, so I'm not like, I, I'm not like holier than thou. Praise the Lord. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, they, 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 they were bringing something up and, they, and, and, and what they were bringing up was just enough information to give me the last piece of the puzzle. And I said, oh, is it this dot, 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 dot. Well, how do you know that? Because, because you, just, you just completed the puzzle, buddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's just the way it goes. I've got, you wanna, wanna, I got a hobby. I haven't done it in a while, but I got this hobby. If I, if I watch a video or something, and there's like a secret location, or there's something that's hidden, or I see something, and it's like, um, I, and I want to know where it's at. I start going on an investigation, because it's kind of like a treasure hunt to me. It's kind of like un unraveling a mystery, you know? And every single time I've started, there's this one, there's a, there's a one, uh, this one uh, thing that I've, I've followed briefly. It's uh, so-and-so's Nowhere Island. And it's this secret location where they live in the, the wilderness of Canada. And ain't nobody supposed to know. Well, I know where it's at. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I told you about that show I watched alone once in a while, you know. It's like they just they zoom into the map and so do I. I got, you can ask, I, I got my Google Maps right there. And I'm just like, all right, okay, it looks like that. What, rewind that a little bit. And, uh, a little bit and a little Praise God. A little investigative journalism or snooping, whatever it is. The what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in an antique shop. And I find this cool old drawing of this train accident. Right? This cool old, it's not like of the train accident, but it's kind of like a map and it says this and that or whatever. And it's, it's got very little information on it. It's like from the uh, late 1800s or the 1900s or something. I, I don't know when it was done. But I just liked it. And I was like, i got to figure out where this is at. <laughs> you know, I did. Yeah. I did. And we drove there. <laughs> we drove, there's, this other, there's this other one that I watch once in a while. And it was like this guy that does these, uh, the, the, it's this commentary on like social different things and he interviews different people and this group of people, this people that he interviews, it's like nobody's supposed to go around them and stuff. 
I, I found out where they live. <laughs> I haven't driven by there because there was one of the shows, one of the episodes, they said they chase people away with shotguns. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not into that. I don't need that much adventure. But I know where it is. Amen. What was my point in saying all that? My point is, is that when, you know, when people start letting information, the only way to keep something truly secret is to never say anything at all. And if you never say anything at all, then you know that you... Because people even inadvertently say things. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't know how we got on all that, but I was talking about abuse and stuff like that. Love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know I still have to pastor these people and still do? Sometimes I pastor people that hate me for, for a long time, and they, 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 they just keep loving on them to do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, the, or, or th this is what one commentary said about it. This kind of strenuous, strenuously maintained love is not blind, but sees and accepts the faults of others. You look at somebody and you're like, But love covers that. They have so many, so many things that they just don't. Praise God. That, that, that's what being part of a local body of believers is about. It's like everywhere else, the world will judge you. They'll tear you down. They'll look at your inconsistencies. You know what we do? We laugh about it. We laugh about it. Not making fun of you. What we're saying is we laugh about it. We're just like, ah. It's, it's so funny that God puts all of us together. How many times have I said God puts a bunch of misfits together? What is that? I realize it. I realize it. You know what? I remember the day I started realizing that I got stuff. Yeah, like, like a lot of people think they ain't got stuff. They think they're the victim. And it's like, oh, no, you're not the victim. You're, you're, you're the one causing the problem. Actually, I found that a lot. Actually, it's taught me a lot about myself seeing it in others. What do I mean by that? Because if you won't judge others and you see, okay, they got problems, you realize you probably got problems too. And then it's enough to go, okay, where are my problems? And so I try to be more aware of those things. Amen. I'm not saying I am perfectly. God knows I'm not. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I've gotten a, a, a ways, but not near as far as I wanted to get. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But there's a lot that the Bible says about, uh, man, there's a lot that the Bible says about, uh, you, you know, uh, disputes. And to, actually, one of the things that God hates the most is divisiveness in the church amongst brethren. That's one of the things he hates the most. Yeah, so we think about sins, we start pointing out sins, saying, oh, this is it, but he hates divisiveness. That's why I can say confidently, God is not for church splits. He doesn't, like a church, we know of one. Actually, there was one I know of. It was a church split, and it, uh, the, 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 the guy uh, said to the, uh, it was a, like associate pastor, said to the other pastor, said, I'm, 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 I'm going and I'm starting another church, whether you like it or not, and some of the people are going with me. That's wrong, in case you didn't know. But guess what? Congregation is, amounts to nothing today. And, that pastor, and the pastor that was there said, you know what? It's like, I, I, you go ahead and do it. I don't, wanna, I, I don't want it to be a problem. Um, you know, and so it's just interesting because this, this was a, and they were both small churches, um, you know, and that, small churches, I, I mean, they weren't like mega churches or anything like that. It wasn't like thousands of people, but it was enough, you know, and, and, and they just, but, but that, that's the way God isn't going to bless and back somebody getting mad at somebody else. And so I'm going to take part of your church. That's why I'm also careful about how I, 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 I talk with other, if I know somebody goes to another church. 
I'm not going to pour into their lives. I'm not going to do it because it's not my, that's not my place. They have a pastor. If they come to my church, that's one thing. But if you're sitting under another pastor, don't come to me for, for um, all, your, all your stuff. You've got to make a decision where you're called to be. And when you know that you're called to be somewhere, then you need to be there and you need to be faithful there. Amen? Because God hates divisiveness always. He always does. That's why I don't fret when somebody's divisive, when somebody's doing wrong, because God will take care of it. I don't need to. And you know all it does for me? This is what it does for you and this is what it does for me. When we get caught up in strife, even when we feel justified, even when we are justified, when we get caught up in the strife, we exit sober thinking, sobriety of spirit, and we enter into chaos. You know, there's things, uh, even this morning, early this morning, the Lord was dealing with me on about this, and I, I just didn't know where I was going with all of it, but some of the scriptures I was in is Genesis 1. You go to Genesis 1, and what do you see? You see the earth in chaos, and literally, that's what it was. It was without form and void, and literally, the word means chaos. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It actually says, one, one uh, translation of it says brooding. You know what brooding is? He's looking at it. Something's not right here. We need to put this back into order. Of course, God didn't know, not know what the something was. We need to put this into order. And so then he starts speaking. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. You know? And all, all of the things that he said let there be brought order to that chaos. First Tim, uh, uh, Titus 1.5. Paul directs Titus, who was a pastor. He directs Titus and says... Uh, I've put you in Crete to set in order the things which remain or the things which are lacking. I've put you there to put things in order. Do you know that that's what the, the pastor's job in the local church is? Keep order. Keep the sheep wrangled. Keep them in order. Like this is out of order. We're going to put this back in order. That's some of the things we're going to deal about this weekend. Amen.